It is Wednesday, and the three amigos are all right here. What is up, Crossing Broadcast? Adam Lefko on the ones and twos. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Lefko. Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad. Russell Joy at Joy on Broad. And we are in the full swing of the sports schedule. Eagles off a win, getting ready for the Chiefs. Phillies win in the 15th inning, and Reese Hoskins is an absolute monster. Flyers are getting ready to go. Sixers, Julia Okafor looks like a skinny little dude, and we are excited for that season as all the bets start pouring in. Russell, Kyle, how y'all living? Buenos dias, amigos. I thought you were going to call him a skinny little bitch, which would have been a hell of a way to start. I think that's where I was going, but then I stopped because I don't want to insult him like that. Uh, Russ, I believe that you could have done ESPN Deportes better than uh, Dip did ESPN regular on Monday Night Football. Sergio Dip. Yeah, muchas gracias, mi amigo. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I definitely uh, I definitely would be interested in that. So if ESPN is listening, you know. Hit me up. I can do a, a little little German halftime show as well. That'd be very sweet. I don't know. That's, uh, that's I, perfect. That was his. That guy's thing was was historically bad. Like I don't know what he was thinking. You have, you have what maybe maybe five minutes of airtime if you're a sideline reporter. Maybe is your first gig. Probably I about like a minute fifty. Yeah. I certainly get if you're nervous, but Jesus Christ, like it's like he he had never seen a microphone before and just like I, I don't know what to say. It was weird, and his apology was weird too. I feel bad for it him. Wasn't it wasn't an apology. You no, know, well, whatever what it was, it was, was. That, that was somebody invoking nine eleven, <laughs> becoming quote famous, and um, just enjoying every minute of it. I thought the whole thing was crazy. I thought that whole game was crazy. I think Rex Ryan is not good at what he does. Um, but, man, that whole thing was nuts. I, I agree with you. And I just, more more importantly, my first thought was, man, they fired a lot of people at ESPN to be trotting out bullcrap like that. That was nuts. How was, I did not watch the game. I fell asleep. How was Beth Moen's? I thought she was fine. I've always thought Beth Moens is fine. The number one thing that people always complain about her to me is they think that her voice sounds fake. Because he's typically a broadcaster that sounds like this. Hello and welcome to Crossing Broad. And you're like, nobody really talks like that. But then in terms of how she does her jobs, she's always been good. But women calling sports is often too much to handle for people. Apparently like Miss it was indeed too much to handle for Mike Missinelli, so we'll drop the audio in right here. Um, women don't grow up playing football. Now, I, I understand that uh, women also don't grow up playing baseball and uh, that uh, Jessica, uh, whatever her name is, does a really good job as not as a play-by-play person, but as an analyst. Jessica Mendoza. Mendoza, Yes. So I don't know if I'm out of line by presenting that. I just, I just am curious as to why we need to have a woman call an NFL game. Now, I know she's called many college games. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I should quit while I'm at it. I just want to give my rebuttal real quick. All right, Do you think ahead, Sean McDonough ever played a down of football in his life? I don't know if he did or not. Um but I, I I think that he 
See, I would have to understand how Beth Moen grew up. You know, if she grew up following football and, um, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Sean McDonough as a, as a guy is more in tuned with football than a woman would be, in my opinion. And then, uh, and then now we can talk about it. Um, so as you heard there, he called, uh, he called it actually on multiple occasions, uh, unnatural to have a female in the booth. And he stood on the leg that, well, she probably never played football because it's a sport women don't play, which is uh, an understandable critique. But I think, uh, I think it's Jason or Andrew Salchunas had maybe the greatest moment in 97.5 producer history by pointing out uh, how often do you think Sean McDonough has ever laced them up on the gridiron? I was just going to say that. I didn't even hear yes. that. And I was going to go, Sean McDonough was a hell of a fullback. Like, no, are you kidding? None of the players. You think Ian Eagle played football? You think Jim Nance? Jim Nance would have never gotten near a football field. Jim Nance would have been calling games at eight years old wearing a sweater vest and a goddamn cardigan. Like, that's ridiculous. The difference with those guys is they are play-by-play guys just to play the devil's advocate here. But I'm sure. Well, no, of course. um, But no, but that was what he talked about. But that's what Missinelli said. My thing here is, is... The word unnatural to me always sounds super creepy and it sounds like it's rooted in some like ancient, like, like unnatural. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to start comparing it, but there's a lot of like racial things that could be made too to be like, that's unnatural. Like what is natural? Like we've only had people broadcasting football games for 30 years. There is no natural. Wasn't this the kind of argument that was that was brought up when ESPN started having Doris Burke call certain NBA games that people kind of like had their little freak out moment? You would go on Twitter and people were, you know, saying, I unrealized turned on the uh, WNBA game. So like it was, I, I don't know, like Doris Burke, by the way, is awesome. I think we all know that Doris Burke is awesome. But like, it's okay. So you're put yourself in the shoes of a, uh, a crusty older guy um, who's a little bit jaded to society at this point. Uh, I think maybe the the best way to call it is saying that hearing Beth Moen's calling a Monday night football game was maybe a little bit unexpected. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the, the fair way to say it. But, like, I didn't expect a lady to be calling it. But, like, it took me about a minute of, like, oh, all right. Yeah, like, this is definitely, like, like for a second, you know, I have, I have a kind of higher pitch voice. I was like, oh, maybe it's just, just a... A guy with a high voice. I'm like, no, definitely a lady, but okay, like whatever. It's a game. I'm watching the Broncos. I'm not here to like, I don't know. If you come for the commentary on an NFL game, I don't really know what to tell you. Like, here's then, my own, then here, here's on my big point going alongside Russ here. For the last few years, the broadcasting duo that has done the second Monday Night Football game has been Chris Berman awful. and Trent Dilfer, and they have been the worst <laughs> Every year. That was also the duo that comically was trying to have a serious discussion about Ray Rice and then got distracted by a punt block and then never had the conversation again. And nobody talked about how it was unnatural that Chris Berman was calling a game even though he was really bad at it. 18 uh. bumbling, bumbling, stumbling, whoop! He doesn't even get to get to like bumbling because the uh, running back gets stopped at the line in a live game. Just took. I'm the surprised. Away. I'm surprised that his uh, 
uh, that he like is part of his go away deal wasn't that he still got to do that second Monday night game. I know that was like his baby. Well, that's where he took all the most flack. You remember? I mean, ESPN has oh, always messed around with these games. Like they had Mike and Mike and Mike calling a game one year, or with Mike Dicka as the third Mike. Um, they've always tried to do stuff. You know, I'm waiting for the Jamil Hill uh, and what's his name? That probably won't happen anymore. Michael Smith. Michael Smith uh, game, uh, or just putting comedians. I mean, ESPN's always done this stuff, but little Norm McDonald. It's more about Missinelli. You know, uh, yeah, how, yeah. Why? How is that your take when you know it's dumb? I'll, I'll say this about my. So yeah, I mean, it's exactly the take you would expect Mike Missanelli to have. It's interesting because he plays the uber left leaning liberal on the show, um, and yet he always manages to say things that are, um, you know, kind of out of that lane. I, I, my opinion on it is this: it's like I do not. I'm. I am not a social justice warrior by any stretch. Uh, probably like you know, socially liberal fiscally conservative, I guess. But when I see, I, I get annoyed because I'm on Twitter all day and Twitter tends to lean very left, at least in the sports media circles. And when I see people get uh, like automatically think it is the greatest thing since sliced bread, if Agreed. a in, insert underprivileged um, sex, race, uh, whatever, gets to do insert something that they typically haven't gotten to do historically it's been reserved for white men and uh there's it goes well beyond like hey this is cool into how dare anyone criticize this person so for instance jessica mendoza i the who does the baseball i don't watch sunday night baseball i've heard a little bit and she sounded just fine to me um however you know there are people i guarantee you who never who did not watch one inning of that game who have declared her a terrific broadcaster and this happens all the time like all the time when when someone gets to do something they're not typically like they're automatically congratulating i don't think that's fair because i actually think that's every bit as offensive to that person as them being kept out of the booth because it's like if you're just you know if you're just complimenting someone for a job well done because of their skin color or sex I, I think that is equally as offensive. But Miss Nelly's views. So my thing on Moens is I didn't watch the game. I don't know how she did. I don't think she should be above criticism. But to sit there and say it's unnatural, like that is the wrong way to criticize. It's not. She may have done a fine job. She may have been terrible. And I think we could, we could, yeah. you know, decide on that on our own. But like, like it's just I such knew, an antiquated view that he has. I knew that when Romo was doing the game, I was going to have to talk about it. And so I actually took notes on Romo to see if he was good or bad. And the the internet has like universally said he was good. But I'm like you, like unless Keith Jackson is calling my football game, I don't care who the announcers are. You know, I mean, when I see Kenny Albert, I'm not really excited. Just going to put that out there. But yeah, these people that have a view on whether a guy or girl being there, it's more like who the hell cares? Like, I, I'm more curious about, like, Anthony Lynn's run schemes and what this is going to do for the Chargers. But, you know, th- en- enough on that, I think. Oh, you um, just care about the game. Yeah. What a, like, what a novel idea. Isn't that crazy? But that's just... I do get a little bit of nostalgia hearing Dick Stockton. I know a lot of people don't Dick like him. Stockton. But when I hear Dick Stockton, Stockton, I think fever. of... Yes! Thank you! NFL Fever! Exactly. Thank you. Along with Ron Pitts, I think the guy's name was. Oh, uh, Ron uh, Pitts. He was the classic number five Fox game for about seven years. Rams, Bucks, both two and 12. Ron Pitts is on the call. I've got to say, Tom McCarthy's getting that number five CBS game now, I guess. It's CBS, right? Um, yeah. He used to be paired with good. Sims a bunch. He is good. 
Oh, they've done it. Yeah, I think yeah, it's Sims, for, I don't like Sim, it for baseball, but and Sims really liked doing games with Tom McCarthy. Thought he was a cool guy. Yeah, I think he's good at football. When he comes across red zone, I'm always surprised, and it's a little bit jarring to hear his voice. But it's like, hey, his tone and demeanor, and always up um, de- demeanor, um, it's, it works for football. Uh, so the the big stuff going on right now with foosball. Well, appara- apparently the the radio shows this morning. If you guys are listening to us, we thank you. We are trying to be that super good alternative to morning radio. If you get bored with it, Angelo apparently is talking about how NFL about how Eagles fans want the team to run better, but running is boring. And why would you want to run? And uh, Gargano is talking about how Reese Hoskins is amazing, and rightfully so. Reese Hoskins is amazing. Uh, I believe uh, he had two home runs yesterday as the Phillies win in, what was it, the 15th inning, Russ? On a Nick Williams uh, double to left center field. Here's just some statistics to make you get really excited about the future. Uh, Reese Hoskins, it took him 16, it took him 32 games to get 16 career home runs. It took Willie Mays 55, Barry Bonds 103, Mike Schmidt 115, and Hank Aaron 137. Uh, that's amazing. And then, Russ, I thought your quote after the game from Nick Williams and Reese Hoskins was awesome. Yeah, do you want me? Nick to, Williams okay, so, said uh, that Reese Hoskins Williams, is an alien. Uh, uh, I got yeah, it. Yeah, and so, oh uh, come on. Okay, go, you missed, go you missed your mark, Russ. And uh, Reese Hoskins said. Well, uh, you know that guy's pretty good too. So I guess we can be alien friends. And uh, I love that. Took, That's like some it, locker room shit a, that I love. It's cute. That took me back to uh, anybody who's ever seen the movie Goon with uh, Sean William Scott Stifler from American Pie. Um, they're getting ready to play a big game, and uh, you know he he bangs on uh, Laflemme's wall, and he goes, "Hey, you know we all have our own stomach light. My stomach light needs your stomach light." Like E.T., we can all phone home together. Like, that's what that felt like to me. It makes me very excited. If Reese Hoskins is going to be goon, then I'm very excited for the future of the, of the fight in Phil's. Yeah, I really liked it a lot. Those guys are awesome. Uh, it's just good to know that we have some people to look forward to, and the, and the Phillies will have the appropriate players to put on their banners across the city. Um, I, I just, you know, excited for that team. But, uh, Kyle, what are some stuff that you're kind of focused on right now? Uh, so still kind of uh, today's the turn the page day for lack of having a sports talk radio conversation here. Moving on, start thinking about the Chiefs while wrapping up some things from the Redskins game. Uh, I was, I, I don't know about you, I know you're a condensed game guy. I went back and watched a condensed game twice or at least, at least probably two and a half times the first half and then uh, probably twice the full game. Some follow-up thoughts. I know we were maybe unduly harsh on Carson Wentz on Monday. I think it was maybe a little reactive in the heat of the moment. He he wasn't perfect by any stretch. He still does struggle with the overthrows. He does leave his progressions a little bit early, but um, there's a definite pattern with him struggling on the t- only the touch throws, it seems like. Um, the deep ball could be a little bit hit or miss, but generally speaking, when he has to make the 10 to 20-yard downfield forward pass he's like right on the money and it's those little uh touch the little bubble screens and screens and run pass options that he tends to struggle with like a pitcher throwing over to first that's uh that's kind of my take following up maybe he actually played better than i thought he played on monday morning especially when you factor in the amount of pressure he was under 
Um, just, I mean, the way the what he had to do back there was absolutely crazy. Uh, I'm still not sure if Legarrette Blunt uh, is getting four or five yards because he can't hit the hole or because he's constantly having to break a tackle in the backfield at the start of every run. Like, I don't know if any other running back would have gotten four or five yards or if they would have gotten more. Like, I still can't tell. And God bless Ronald Darby's ankles for being that sturdy so that he's only out four to six weeks. It's funny when I mentioned it to Sims, uh, hey, he's only about four to six weeks. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's because his ankle turned in. And I went, wait a second. I said, Sims, his ankle was sideways. What does it matter? He goes, if your ankle goes in, you could avoid all ligament damage. If it goes out, that's when that's where all the ligaments are. And I was like, damn. Like, I didn't know that shit. Like, I just, I was like, I saw the man's ankle sideways and went, well, that was 2017. We'll see you next year. Uh, but, man, God bless his ankles. And, uh, I just, you know, I, I look at the Eagles. I saw that Andy Reid is 8-3 and three against his former assistants. That will be the story that we'll break down more on Friday. But, um, yeah, and, and then I saw all these gifs of Kirk Cousins missing, like, wide-open receivers, and that kind of scared me a little bit, to be honest. You know, I actually had the same thought about Kirk Cousins when I went back. Um, to me, he he was better than my eyes first perceived him to be. He was under so much pressure, and... He very rarely had time to be comfortable in the pocket. There were a few bad throws, but he kept them in it at the end of the game. I mean, getting out away from the pressure and running for, I think, two first downs on that important drive they wound up scoring on, uh, I I like him. I think he's a gamer. I think he's pretty talented, and it's um, I actually give him credit for making that a game on Sunday. I, I think that was the sole reason uh, the Redskins were even in it at the end. Your, um, your point on LeGarrette Blunt. I actually, again, didn't, like, that to me was better than expected for LeGarrette Blount. I know people have a lot of high hopes because of his numbers and yada, 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 and you want him to snap off a big run from time to time, and when he can get out in open space, he could do that. He's athletic enough for a big guy. But to me, I would be just fine with having someone who could run downhill a little bit, and when they get a block at the line, be able to pick up four or five yards at a time, because the Eagles haven't had that guy. And again, I know he's not a brute, like he's not just a bruiser. He has another skill set, but I was expecting very little to nothing from Blunt for this season. So if we can get 45 yards out of him per game, whatever it was, I, I'd be fine with that, actually. I didn't think he looked that bad. I don't think he's that good, but I thought he looked adequate, which is which is just fine. And I think he picks up the pass protection well. Like, I really do. Like, I looked out all the time, and I'm like, oh, look, he grabbed that blitzer. That was key. But... Um, and that's... Yeah. A, and, and the pass protection... That's a protection in general is another thing. Kevin Kincaid wrote, a, I thought, a really good piece for the site yesterday about all the quote-unquote bubble screams. We used it as a blanket term for, like, any pass out to the receiver behind the line of scrimmage that relies on uh, wide receiver blocking with, like, a tackle pulling out. Um, he made a good point at the end. He's like, did you get Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey to be blockers? And that's essentially what was happening on many plays, those throws to Aguilar. They had a couple to Sproles out there. I think Smallwood um, broke out on one option. And it's like, I, I think there's a spot for that screen pass, and, we've ta- and we could talk ad nauseum about how the Eagles – do it a lot um but as executed they don't execute them well like Carson Wentz's timing is not good the blocking is not good Torrey Smith obviously missed that one block that led to a a 
fumble. Nelson Aguilar missed a block on a run. Like I'm not so sure if they're wide and, receivers. And or to good Kevin's blockers. points, I think that you need to run these plays with future plays in mind. In terms of you need to show that look so the corners jump up and expect you to run a screen and then take an advantage. That's part of the issue that I have with Doug is it's the sequencing of plays. He's running bubble screens because he wants bubble screens to be successful when I don't think he's thinking ahead enough about, okay, if we run the bubble screen, how can we show this look later? Like if they do it in the Chiefs game, then you know what? They put tape out there of the incessant use of bubble screens to take advantage against the next opponent. There's a lot of NFL coaches that do that. Like the Jaguars ran a fake punt in the preseason. And I looked at Sims and I said, why waste this in the preseason? He goes, my guess is they don't have a lot of confidence in their special teams unit and they want people to be afraid of the fake for the first few weeks to take away people rushing off the edge. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. So I just don't, I don't see that foresight from Doug. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't ever see them cashing in on the play action chips, but Tory has been open deep, so maybe they could. Russ, how you doing over there, man? I don't want to lose you. No, I'm I'm fine. I gotta go. So uh, this is a this is well. Fun. Then Russ has five minutes. So yeah. Russ, I'm gonna give you the floor. Skinny Jaleel, Flyers roster. Where do you want to go? It's all yours. No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I'll uh, I'll I'll swing around. I'll I'll have some stuff to say on Friday. No, you have five yeah. minutes. I don't, I'm not gonna just like. Uh, all right. Well. Yes. So, uh, Ja was at a uh, a Sixers camp. Um, I messed with uh, Jessica Camarado on Twitter. I think she thought I was serious. I uh, I kind of flipped out a little bit because I said, uh, you know, it's great to see Jaleel out there, but I'd much prefer to see Joel Embiid. But you know, it's been six months since he had a meniscus surgery, and of course, he's still not clear to play. It uh, kind of fits the uh, the wonderful Sixers doctor narrative. Where a meniscus tear is essentially like an ACL at this point. Um, that was fun. Uh, there was also a clip that was tweeted out. I think I retweeted it of them running a drill where Jaleel Okafor was taking threes. And it looked like um, if you've ever played any NBA 2K game, they have what I guess is called big man jump shot. Where it kind of looks like if you expected Shaq to shoot a three. Where it's just this really broken clunky I'm gonna do the robot and put the the ball high over my head kind of shot I think he went like one for five but it was like the most uncomfortable uh shot I've ever seen um Flyers rookie camp started up for those who care um Anthony Stolarz who a lot of people had thought was going to be a guy who could crack into the uh the goalie rotation this year Uh, you've got uh Brian Elliott probably is your starter this year, uh, or at least probably running uh, about even with Michael Neuvert. Every year, Neuvert get, gets hurt. So the I think Are we going to see Nolan early? Like, what's the take on that? I don't know. Uh, Damn it. it you, would, you would hope so. I think he needs to impress coming out of camp. When like, do the I, Flyers I don't officially Hextall, start? Mm, like the training camp or the like season, the season. Like October fourth, I think yeah. is the first. When game. does the Sixers officially start? Like next week, this the week? Season? No, yeah. their season starts later. When does the Sixers start? Uh, end of October, I think. Like twenty something. I think the first game. 
Yeah, like guys, do you realize how it's going to be so crazy when all those three teams are playing, especially if the Eagles like continue to be a contender? Man, we're going to have a lot to talk about on Crossing Broadcast. It'll be nice. I always people. People are always asking me, like, you know, like, hey, is it slow? Like, the team's suddenly, yes, yes, it is very slow. Like, the, from a from a sheer, like, volume standpoint, there is nothing more exciting than waking up on, you know, call it a Wednesday, and you have, like, a Flyers and Sixers win the night before, and then, uh, you know, you're coming up on a big Eagles week. Like, it's been so long. It's been so goddamn long around here where we've had competitive sports. Like, even the last couple of years – the Eagles are always, you know, sort of in it. The Flyers are always sort of in it. But we haven't really had like, hey, this team is worth watching, either for the fact that they could be building something great, like the Sixers, or, you know, they could be a legitimate contender to get in the playoffs and win a round or two, like the Flyers and Eagles are this year. And I, I'm just like so the excited Flyers for are that not a dynamic. Round. They could. Hockey. No, they're ho- not. Stop. Stop. It. Hockey is. Russ, like, if, as long as you can, like, assemble a team in hockey, you could pretty much argue that you have a chance to reach the, the conference finals. So then why haven't they made the playoffs? Well, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'll be the first to say I, I because they're not good the enough, Kyle, they because they're not good enough. Correct. And they also have a lot of young talent, some of which will be in their second and third years in the league. And then they have a premium rookie and you still have an adequate core. Like, look, I don't think the Flyers are Stanley Cup contenders, but in no season, almost never are the Flyers a team where you go into the season and say, well, this season's a write-off. There's always enough talent on the team. And quite honestly, the rookies, the young guys may be good enough. Like, hockey's a sport where young guys can definitely carry you. And guys, so I don't before, think there's any before reason. We get, before we get heated about hockey, um, how excited are you about this new lacrosse team? Right. Yo, Nick Sakavitz, the uh, former CEO of the Philadelphia Union, is now the National Lacrosse League uh, commissioner, and he was trolling Union fans. Yeah, it looks like the Wings are coming back. Uh, apparently, it's going to go to a fan vote if it's going to be the Wings or not. But that was pretty funny. And uh, one of Kyle's writers, Chris, uh, with the J last name, like Yazachevsky or something, uh, I think is usually the guy who's like all about lacrosse. So this is a uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's exciting, but uh, it's not. I think Comcast is the one who bought them. Which makes me upset that Comcast, you know, didn't buy the union yet and actually, you know, put good players on. Whatever. You know, I'm just saying. For me, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I could maybe go to a game. That would be fun. And then I just, I'm not. I'm just not going to yeah, do like, that. Yeah, it's like when the Soul win the Arena Bowl, you're like, ah, you know what? Next year, if they're, if they're like in the playoffs, that could be fun because tickets are like $5. You get it, like a hot dog and a soda. Well, here's like, my no. question. Like, do they still the fight in the indoor lacrosse? Because to me, that like the reason to go was to watch potential chaos. Like I'm guessing that's not still as much of a thing. I don't know. I don't know, I would, Kyle. I, I don't fancy myself an NLL fan, to be honest. <laughs> the, by the way, the, the picking the team name was a little bit of a crossing broad scoop you are uh, citing, Russ. Uh, another crossing broad scoop. You guys will like this. Um, new Sixers red jerseys being unveiled on Friday. Uh, the red jersey that Conrad Burry had sort of mocked up and that had been floating around Twitter in like a grainy Chinese video is close to what it would look like, but they will not be using the Doug Collins era block script. Thank Christ. Instead, they're using a script with a drop shadow, sort of like the new jerseys have. Um, That's going to be the Christmas Day jersey i'm guessing it will but it's not just a christmas day jersey the league is doing away with christmas day jerseys this year 
Uh, it's just going to be the team's going to wear one of their four. You know, they're now four jerseys in the rotation. So the Sixers will wear the red jersey. They will also have a fourth jersey for um, classic throwback Friday nights. They did this on Saturday last year. They'll have a special court, I think. I don't know what color the jersey is. My guess would be blue, but it will be a fourth alternate. They're well done on Friday nights. They are not unveiling that until later in the season around Christmas time. Um, but they don't want to wear it on Christmas because they don't want to allow the Knicks to steal their thunder because it's a road game. So uh, that jersey will make its debut some point midseason. Uh, but the red jersey is the Christmas jersey and is being announced on Friday. And I think they're going to be showing off what their new Friday night court will look like as well over the next day or two. Russ, what do you think about Kyle's obsession with any tech products that Apple releases? I, I get so angry. This is, I can't. Come on, I get, come on, Russ. Weigh in no, on the keynote, no, Kyle, so then you can leave. And I can late, and I have to go you. run to work because if I could, I would fight you on this for twenty minutes. But that time, well, then hold on. How about this? What is your key so, point? Yeah, you got to yell at him first before you leave. It's part of the rules. You signed the contract. No. <laughs> I wish there, if there had been a con- uh, no. It's just like, look, I like Apple products, right? I I used to love Apple products, like. <laughs> Oh <laughs> seven or oh eight, I had like a MacBook Pro, I had a three GS, like I liked Apple products. But you know, like it's okay. If you like Apple stuff, that's fine. If you get it for the camera, that's okay. I knew you but were a droid. I, I but, knew but it. But listen, yeah. I like I, I I'm a Galaxy fan. I'm not a Galaxy Note burn burn a hole in my pocket fan. But I'm I'm a Galaxy fan. I like it. What do you like, like about it? Is it the cutting edge tech or the fact that cutting edge tech isn't well implemented and, and is a bad user experience? Oh, which which of those about two the, things? Oh, I don't know, Kyle. What do you like about Apple? The fact that most of the features they come out with have been on an Android phone for the last three years. That all right? I'm going to tell you why. And that's they act like this. And they act like oh uh, no! Oh my God! Look at this! Oh, they got so much. Oh, they have a notification panel. Oh my God! Guess what else had a notification panel, Kyle? Windows phones. You know who gets Windows phones? Nobody. You know who likes to buy iPhones? Uh, you know why? Because I had a Windows you. phone and they sucked. They sucked. Yeah, because they Just because terrible. they had a notification they, paddle doesn't make them Windows a good phone. Windows phone had certain things ahead of the iPhone. Like, look, <laughs> it's fine. If you, wanna, if you want to have a phone that, like, 60-year-old people buy because they want to do FaceTime with their grandkids, that's okay. You go right ahead. You don't have any widget panels. You know, you know, like your integration is just weird. If you want to make the case that the camera's great, then fine. But <laughs> I Apple guarantee is you like, more of your Apple high school class like, owns no, an iPhone. The Apple an is the Nintendo of their field right Ooh. now. It's not. It's not about. Except it's actually a really bad comparison because because the, because company Nintendo's the Nintendo's actually their their hardware's got better. But like the idea that oh you know what like let's take what's a very simple acceptable thing and let's just ruin it so that we can make another buck on like a dongle. What did they so like, ruin? Let's eliminate the headphone jack so then we could sell people a thing to plug into the into that the charging port. Then you can't charge and have you headphones. You think they really it's make so that you, money it's so that on when a people $5... lost the wireless headphones, they'd have to buy new ones, Kyle. Do you think that's that how Apple makes money? 45% of their profit comes from just the iPhone, not computer, not tablet. Do you really think the little dongle market is how they become the second biggest company in the planet? Do you really think that even makes a dent in the bottom line? It's all about nickel and diamond, Kyle. Oh, my God. I can't with you. But you're wrong. You're, see, okay. your arguments are wrong. That's the thing. Like, I'm happy to debate whether or not something is good, but you rely on things that are that are just straight up wrong. Like, th- I'm sure it's they like would happily like see the dongle market if more people bought Any of the Flyers prospects that they've got right now and saying that they're a playoff team. Like, that's what this is, Kyle. I can go in here with little to no facts about the iPhone 10, and I'll admit the fact that I'm not really totally sure about it. I mean, that's the difference between us. Guys. All this dongle oh. talk is kind of turning me on. Just going to put that <laughs> out there. 
I didn't realize realize that you guys were both this passionate about something that's this unimportant. No, it's it's not even that. Like, I think iPhones are fine. I just like I I don't get the the devotion and praying at the the altar of Apple. Like, I used to love Apple products. I stopped liking Apple products when I felt like they were treating their consumers like they couldn't handle something more complicated. The simplicity in of itself is something nice. I understand why they do it. Because yes, Kyle. That is a the, fair critique, the, by the, the way. That the amount, to me is a the fair amount of, of kids who have iPhones is exponentially higher than Android. So, and the amount and of so older old people who have iPhones. No, well no, I'm saying a lot if we look at the kind of phones that older people have, Kyle, many of them will get older generation iPhones because their kids have FaceTime and what ends up happening is those older people want to see their grandkids. So okay. they go and they so say, is... I don't need an iPhone 10. This I'll sounds like a great product. 5S. Young and old people like use it. Like, I'm saying it's the simplicity of it. I don't like, you know, I like, I like the Android setup. It's just me. I like the Google integration. I like that's being fair. able. That's like, fair. That's, that's me. That's how, that's how I <laughs> that's roll. That's fair. I also I you... don't see the need to eliminate a home button to then like, have this facial until you hold thing. a bigger screen that is a smaller package like i love my iphone plus but russ, at times Kyle, it's a little unwieldy here's the deal R- russ you won't you're gonna annoy people with your phone for the longest time because you have green bubbles that pop up and people like kyle are gonna look at you and go oh that's so cool that's so cool that you could like reprogram your phone i really don't care Kyle, you're going to you're going to submit your facial scans to Apple and they're practically going to own your DNA it code. It doesn't leave your phone. You're, it doesn't all it doesn't I know go is, to their servers. Is, it lives on the device. All I know is I'm a stick with my iPhone 7 and I feel really good about it and then I'm going to start regressing to the Zach Morris cell phone and <laughs> Just that's all I'm going to use because well, if we were up to Russ, you would Adam, have 19 Adam, ports like, on the phone and it would be that big. Adam, I just couldn't handle the fact that in Slack yesterday in the general channel, we had like, I think it was Kyle and Chris and somebody else were like, oh, do you like the aluminum model of the, the Apple Watch? No, I like, like the ceramic. And I was like, ah, oh, man, like ceramic, like I, I like whatever. I mean, it's OK, Russ. People that have that? Apple watches lost their virginity late in life, so they have to adjust. Ouch. And on that bombshell, I'm going to leave. I'm gonna All right. let you... You're going to leave so... you with Kyle, who has an Apple Watch, after I just made... Damn it. No, he, yeah, he's going to leave you with me after I get to respond to him now. Um, I, Russ, I know you listen back to this, so I will just... Adam, just give me two minutes here. Kyle, to... I just want to know why gonna, you're I'm so passionate. Kyle, why do you love Apple products so much? All right, so I, I will I'll address a few things very quickly that Russ touched on. I would agree that the excitement isn't what it was circa, like, 2010. Why? Because, you know, like, phones are iterative updates at this point. The watch is definitely a new product. But, I mean, the thing that made, like, 2010 so exciting in tech is, like, smartphones were beginning to take over the world. And it's, like, a significant shift in the way people communicate and live their lives. And that has happened and not passed now, but, like... All of the incredible technology has come, and now you're just iterating on that. So it's not Apple's fault or anyone else's fault that like that excitement has waned a little. It's a it was a very it's a once in a, like a generation product line, and I don't just include iPhones. I include Androids. Like that whole movement, it literally changed the world in many ways, right? That doesn't happen every five years. So everyone is like, oh, Apple needs to come out with something new and great every five years. Well, the question is like, what? Like there may never be another product as successful as a smartphone. 
um, the iPhone itself is the greatest selling product in the history of the planet. Like you can't just do that every five years. The watch, I've had one since the day it came out for two and a half years. I'm definitely getting a new one. I've worn it every day. It's not perfect. It's not a replacement for your phone. But um, I said on the one time, like it, the heart rate thing actually noticed a problem. I use it for exercise. The notifications, for no other reason, I have it hooked up to our store. So every time someone makes a purchase, I get a notification on my watch. There is nothing better than someone tapping you on the wrist and saying, you got money. That's cool. I like that. As far as the phone goes and Russ's point about the phone, two couple of things. Um, Apple Apple does not get rid of things so they can make money on dongles, okay? The reason they got rid of the headphone jack last year, take a look at this year's phone. Notice that there's no margins, okay? The screen is edge to edge. You can't do something like that. The headphone jack inside the phone, it's it's thick, first of all, and it also takes up a lot of space, space that people need for things like battery, because if you add 8% more battery capacity, that's 8% longer your phone lasts, and they are trying to cram as much battery life as possible. That's why they do things like that. I'm talking to you right now on AirPods, which work terrifically. Sometimes, for whatever reason, with Chrome, they bug out, but with my phone, they are perfect. Uh, and that is a future technology. They also now work with the watch, which can stream music on your wrist. Like All these things are forward thinking. That's why they do it, not to sell you more dongles. The other thing I would say to Russ, and this is the common critique with Apple, is that, oh, well, um, what was the first thing he said? Like It's like, you can't customize your phone. Uh, that that's a legitimate critique if you want like more customization, but it's not just about like what was his first point? His first point really pissed me off. His main point. Uh, I don't know what his point was. I think it was something about Apple sucking. Oh no, his point was about how uh, Android people had the technology first. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is the one everybody always gets. God, like you guys take, get so into this. Take for example, right, text for ex- people. Last thing. Take, for example, the facial recognition. Everyone's like, oh, you know, Android had this two years ago. Yes, you know what they were using it for? For if you were watching a video and moved your eyes away, they would pause the video. Besides that being super annoying, it's not like a useful implementation of it. Like Android, Samsung, a lot of companies, you know, their thing is let's get the technology and stick it on our device even if we don't know what we're going to do with it. So, like, they had Touch ID first. They they had a wider screen first. They had all this stuff. And Apple was definitely a little late on the screen size thing. But stuff like like that, like, Apple implemented it correctly. Like, I have no doubt the Touch ID works terrific on your iPhone 7, on my iPhone 7. Like, it works. And when it came out a few years ago, people were like, oh, I don't know if I want to use this. Why? Because Android had previously done it, and it sucked. So Apple does wait about a year typically with cutting edge technologies rather than just throw it in their phone all willy-nilly they wait to make sure it works and also implement it in a way that is useful so like the whole critique about this is stupid because when apple comes out with something they make it actually work and bring it to be mainstream the dual cameras hd video like whatever it is they do it better when they come out with it the oled screen by by all accounts the samsung Samsung phones were criticized for being like oversaturated, oversaturated, too bright. Like they just wanted to have an OLED screen. Apple waited till they can get the color perfection right, do it right. Like it's a new technology, not suck up a lot of battery, all these things. That's not to say all Android phones are bad, all Samsung phones are bad. However, like the that critique about Apple waiting, they wait for a, 
a reason. One, because they manufacture at such scale, like they're, you know, it's such comical scale that when the new iPhone comes out, that it takes a little longer to ramp up. But the other thing is they implement it in the right way. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm done. You know what sucks? I didn't get Tariq Cohen on the waivers just now on fantasy. So that, that really stinks. Um, Are you a season long guy? What do you mean? Yeah, I don't do daily fantasy. Uh, okay. I know you do. How did you do in week one? No, I got hammered. Week one's tough. I got hammered last year, too, because it's like... Kyle, do you know how bad when, week one is? Do you know how bad I did on bets? Like, Yeah, I saw you tweeting about it. Not well. Um, So, Bleacher Report's making me their bet guy this year, which I'm all about. Like, I'm super excited. But I'm not going to be one of those... Like, I'm not a fantasy expert where, like, that's my industry. So, I'm not going to be out there being like, hey, everybody, for $2, you could take my locks of the week. Like... They called it Lefko's Locks because of alliteration. And, like, I would have preferred Lefko's Lucky Guesses. But I did, and they tweeted out my picks and were like, here's his locks of the week. And I have been getting hammered for, like, uh, like four days straight. And I did, uh, nationally, I did a, thir- a Thursday night pick, three Sunday games, and the two Mondays. And I went 0-4-1. Oh, I got one push Ouch. and four, dude, unbelievable. But week one, I'm just trying to like make it okay to realize that like the top three quarterbacks for passer rating were Sam Bradford, Alex Smith, and Jared Goff. Tom Brady had the lowest completion percentage in the NFL, and the current division leaders are the Jaguars, Bills, and Rams. Week one is absolutely absurd. I hope it bounces back, but. Yeah, daily fantasy, fantasy, like all of that stuff is crazy. I, week one is so hard to predict, and I'm excited for the, the, the world to be corrected in week two. Yeah, what you described, like those t- things will regress. Like Tom Brady's not going to have the lowest completion percentage and so on. And it, the daily fantasy is the same way. I use Fantasy Labs, which is great, and you're using – uh, all the data sets and algorithms that the, um, you know, basically the sharps use, the pro guys who do this literally professionally. And the, the great thing about that is, is as the season goes on, those things become super reliable. And, and what I is, found, what I is got, this site? Uh, Fantasy Labs. It's terrific. It's a guy, it's run by a guy or started partly by a guy named Jonathan Bales. He's from Philly. He's a like fairly notable in the DFS industry. And it's run and manned by a lot of guys who are essentially pro DFS players. And you're dealing with, um, you know, not just stats, but their projections and trends. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll throw in that week's DraftKings um, um, dollar amounts and, and really come up. They have, you know, proprietary statistics, like who's got the most projected points per DraftKings dollar value, like really, really useful stuff. And as the season goes on, that data becomes very useful but it's tough you oh know, it's there's no data in the, beginning. the first week yeah like like galladay like who the fuck like i did that no okay but he, but who like, thought yeah like who thought he was gonna do it right away of course right right like and nowhere in the data do you have something to show you that sort of thing so i tend to get killed the first few weeks oh you know, using like the data. Dude, you're the, better to go on the eye test the first few weeks actually. streaks streaks are in like the, the the numbers don't matter like cincinnati had beaten baltimore like 10 games a row like in these types of games it just doesn't matter i almost got into like a bunch of eagles points but I imagine that Fridays you guys do predictions and stuff like that. 
uh, on the site. Yeah. No, I mean we, like we'll on start... the podcast because I've like missed last Friday. You've only missed one Friday. Uh, yeah, I think we did predictions. I I would like to point out that I predicted the Eagles would win thirty to twenty four. I was close ish. Close ish. All right. What what do you think right now about the current state of Philly media in terms of just the way they're covering the Eagles? I would like to say that um, Fran, what's his last name? Uh, Duffy. Okay, him having him Shale Capeta. I don't know how to say his name, um, and like Brandon Lee Galton and all of the gifs that are out right now is great. Like. I'm thoroughly enjoying, and then like you have the dude that did all the bubble screens for you, uh, Kevin. Like, yeah. there's a lot of good people right now that are just cutting up Eagles games, and then of course like Zach Berman's my guy, and Jeff McLean like riling up the Eagles. Like, there's a lot of like good young people right now. Uh, I don't know how young everybody is though. Like, cover, and then of course like I appreciate Jimmy Kemsky. Like, all of his stuff makes me laugh. And like him just putting up, here's 10 gifts of Brandon Graham being awesome. I love that stuff. This is where I think it's all going, and I like it. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I would throw our guy, uh, Sean Cottrell, in there he, twice a week. He's For doing, sure. He's got a r- really good post today. He's going even deeper on the screens, and he's a knowledgeable guy. Um, but I, I think it's really tough to differentiate yourself with Eagles coverage, and that's why you see so many unique things. Like, take, you know, the Flyers or Sixers. I was Kevin's going to do a lot of Sixers stuff for us, and we sat down and we're like, "All right, so who are the Sixers guys?" And we're like, "All right, you got Derek Bodner. Uh, he's now fully behind a paywall. Um, D. Lineham is out of the game. Keith Pompey is not particularly good. Bob Cooney is out of the game. Um, Jessica Camarado does a fine job for CSN, like nothing special. But like that's really it. Like there is not." You know, you could have go back to 2010 Phillies. And it's named, Liberty Ballers. Uh, you know, That's what it is. Sports it, fans. It's right to Ricky Sanchez. Like, if you want Sixers content, you have to wait like once a week for an hour and a half podcast. Right. So, I mean, that's the point. There's an opportunity there. Like, you could cover the Sixers yeah. really well and be like one or two or three guys. Um, you know, so, but like with the Eagles, there's there's 40 people covering that team. It is really tough to differentiate yourself. And I think everyone is just trying to find a slightly uh, uniquely. I'm waiting. Like, I can't I'm imagine waiting. there's a team in the country covered this well. Oh no, there's a t- like, man, like, like this. You, Dallas, this sort of Dallas volume? has Dallas has twice the reporters the Eagles do. But this many like yes. new media style yeah. reporters, you think? Yeah, okay. just for, I just had I had lunch with a friend that was up in New York for the Ezekiel Elliott trial, and he is a reporter down in Dallas, and he's like. He's like, I, he's like the media request for Cowboys games. Like they've put out the numbers or like three times everybody else. And there's like so many blogs. I'm waiting for the Eagles reporter in our area that is good with coaches film and starts to break down individual offensive linemen. And I know that should be happening about today, tomorrow, because that's when Game Pass puts out the coaches film is like typically Tuesday. Um that's the, the next level because it's easy to look at wide receivers and put up TV film and all that stuff and watch like we do condensed or broadcast, but the coach's film is the next level. Like Sims gets coach's film on Monday and his ability to break it down is just wild. Um, so how does he get that? Because I know some guys he has He has guys, he has friends in the league. Okay. That so like he has, he has kind of a who you know basis. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. his dad is Phil Sims and he played in the NFL, so... He gets, he gets, whether it's from coaches or from front office people, he gets the hookup. 
and he just goes into a room. And the thing is, too, though, is like you also have to know what you're looking for. And I know for me, it, I still sometimes will watch and be like, what the, what the fuck was I supposed to pay attention to on that play? You know what I mean? It just yeah. kind of catches you off guard. But um, all right. One last stat to leave you with uh, is yeah. from Matt Breen. At-bats needed for 16 career home runs. Uh, Babe Ruth, 368. Uh, Hank Aaron, 536. Barry Bonds, 378. Reese Hoskins, 112. Wait, that was for what? Uh, at bats needed to reach 16 career home runs. Didn't I do a stat like that in the beginning? Oh yeah, I mean, there's a thousand, there's a thousand Reese Hoskins stats that are just mind blowing. It is unbelievable. Oh yeah, mine was games. Yours was at bats. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, no, it's 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 awesome. I I think it's literally the perfect storyline. If you're a Phillies casual Phillies fan, which is, uh, I'm not going to have to have an entire off season again of hoping that Abdul Herrera and the guys that we came in last year are going to hit it. We legitimately have a young cast of characters with Altair and Hoskins and Nick Williams and some of the young pitchers that I can actually get excited about for next season, um, and and maybe you know, the Bryce Harper sweepstakes. So whenever that happens pays off. Uh, but no, it's, it's exciting. I love it. Uh, so uh, anything yeah, on the site that you want to preview for the next two days before Friday's show? Actually. Yeah. Uh, Sean Cottrell got a really good, more in depth on the screen and why you run it and weighing how much the Eagles do it relative to the rest of the league. Cause that seems to be the talking point this week. I uh, got a good couple of good things coming up from, uh, Tim and Phil, who are sort of our resident uh, columnist, I think those guys are really good. And Jim McCormick has a very uh, in-depth piece on uh, the Sixers and court spacing. So uh, for one, usually, like I fly by the seat of my pants. I react to stuff as it happens. But it's nice having writers who have things like planned and ready to go. Uh, that's it's a nice uh, lane I think we're settling into. So for good sure. stuff coming up. Subscribe. Cool. Subscribe Fridays. Uh, we are going to be breaking down Eagles Chiefs. We are going to come with our predictions to kind of take you through to week two, which kind of has that feel of Eagles Steelers last year in terms of like, okay, we've beaten up on a team that might not be that good. This will be a big test. This is going to be tough. So we'll get to it on Friday. Russ, uh, we're going to hopefully start on time so that Russ can get all of his points in. Uh, I know he's listening right now. And we love them. For Kyle, for Russ, I'm Lefko. Hit us up on Twitter. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And we will talk to you guys on Friday.